Thank you for pressing that play button. I hope that everyone is having a great day. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Book Club Vibes. I am Marquita, and today is the 25th, July the 25th, which is on a Tuesday. I know, I know, I know, I know, I'm late again. I know, but I'm not perfect, right? So we're going to keep on going. Book Club Vibes. We will be going over chapters 13 and 14 from The Richest Man, Man in Babylon. So the book is The Richest Man in Babylon. We're going over chapters 13 and 14 today, okay? So y'all get your pen and your piece of paper. Let's get ready. Let's start. Let's get on it, okay? If everyone will please go to all the major platforms that Lifestyle T-Pod Podcasts on, which is Anchor, Google, Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. Okay. Also, at the bottom, at the bottom of the about page, there is a section on there if you would like to show any love. Okay. So let's jump into it. I do know that your girl did not. Okay. I did not say a quote today. So, the quote for today is to have a good day. And that's on period. Let's go ahead and start off with chapter 13. One moment. Okay. Five laws of gold. A bag heavy with gold or a clay tablet carved with words of wisdom. If thou hadst thy choice, which wouldst thou choose? By the flickering light from the fire of desert shrubs, the sun-tanned faces of the listeners gleamed with interest. The gold, the gold, chorused the twenty-seven. Old Kalabob smiled knowingly. Hark, he resumed, raising his hand. Hear the wild dogs out there in the night. They howl and wail because they are lean with hunger. Yet feed them, and what do they? Fight and strut, then fight and strut some more giving no thought to the morrow that will surely come. Just so it is with the sons of men. Give them a choice of gold and wisdom. What do they do? Ignore the wisdom and waste the gold. On the morrow they wail because they have no more gold. Gold is reserved for those who know its laws and abide by them. Calabob drew his white robe close about his lean legs, for a cool night wind was blowing. Because thou hast served me faithfully upon our long journey, because thou cared well for my camels, because thou toiled uncomplainingly across the hot sands of the desert, because thou fought bravely the robbers that sought to despoil my merchandise, I will tell thee this night the tale of the five laws of gold, such a tale as thou never hast heard before. Hark ye with deep attention to the words I speak, for if you grasp their meaning and heed them, In the days that come, thou shalt have much gold. He paused impressively. Above, in a canopy of blue, the stars shone brightly in the crystal-clear skies of Babylonia. Behind the group loomed their faded tents, tightly staked against possible desert storms. Beside the tents were neatly stacked bales of merchandise covered with skins. Nearby, the camel herd sprawled in the sand some chewing their cuds contentedly, others snoring in hoarse discord. Thou hast told us many good tales, Kalabab, spoke up the chief packer. 
We look to thy wisdom to guide us upon the morrow when our service with thee shall be at an end. I have but told thee of my adventures in strange and distant land. Ignore the wisdom. Thou hast told us many good tales, Kalabob, spoke up the chief packer. We look to thy wisdom to guide us upon the morrow when our service with thee shall be at an end. I have but told thee of my adventures in strange and distant lands. But this night I shall tell thee of the wisdom of our cod, the wise rich man. Much have we heard of him, acknowledged the chief packer. For he was the richest man that ever lived in Babylon. The richest man he was, and that because he was wise in the ways of gold, even as no man had ever been before him. This night shall I tell you of his great wisdom, as it was told to me by Nomaseer, his son, many years ago in Nineveh, when I was but a lad. My master and myself had tarried long into the night in the palace of Nomaseer. I had helped my master bring great bundles of fine rugs, each one to be tried by Nomaseer until his choice of colors was satisfied. At last he was well pleased and commanded us to sit with him and to drink a rare vintage odorous to the nostrils and most warming to my stomach, which was unaccustomed to such a drink. Then did he tell us this tale of the great wisdom of Arkad, his father, even as I shall tell it to you. In Babylon, it is the custom, as you know, that the sons of wealthy fathers live with their parents in expectation of inheriting the estate. Arkad did not approve of this custom. Therefore, when Nomaseer reached man's estate, he sent for the young man and addressed him. My son, it is my desire that thou succeed to my estate. Thou must, however, first prove that thou art capable of wisely handling it. Therefore, I wish that thou go out into the world and show thy ability both to acquire gold and to make thyself respected among men. To start thee well, I will give thee two things of which I myself was denied when I started as a poor youth to build up a fortune. First, I give thee this bag of gold. If thou use it wisely, it will be the basis of thy future success. Second, I give thee this clay tablet upon which is carved the five laws of gold. If thou dost but interpret them in thy own acts, they shall bring thee competence and security. Ten years from this day, come thou back to the house of thy father and give account of thyself. If thou prove worthy, I will then make thee the heir to my estate. Otherwise, I will give it to the priests, that they may barter for my soul the land consideration of the gods. So Nomasir went forth to make his own way, taking his bag of gold, the clay tablet carefully wrapped in silken cloth, his slave, and the horses upon which they rode. The ten years passed, and Nomasir, as he had agreed, returned to the house of his father, who provided a great feast in his honor, to which he invited many friends and relatives. After the feast was over, the father and mother mounted their throne-like seats at one side of the great hall, and Nomasir stood before them to give an account of himself as he had promised his father. It was evening. The room was hazy with smoke from the wicks of the oil lamps that but dimly lighted it. Slaves in white woven jackets and tunics fanned the humid air rhythmically with long-stemmed palm leaves. A stately dignity colored the scene. The wife of Nomasir and his two young sons, with friends and other members of the family, sat upon rugs behind him, eager listeners. My father, he began deferentially, I bow before thy wisdom. Ten years ago, when I stood at the gates of manhood, 
Thou bade me go forth and become a man among men, instead of remaining a vassal to thy fortune. Thou gave me liberally of thy gold. Thou gave me liberally of thy wisdom. Of the gold, alas, I must admit of a disastrous handling. It fled, indeed, from my inexperienced hands, even as a wild hare flees at the first opportunity from the youth who captures it. The father smiled indulgently. Continue, my son, thy tale interests me in all its details. I decided to go to Nineveh, as it was a growing city, believing that I might find their opportunities. I joined a caravan, and among its members made numerous friends. Two well-spoken men, who had a most beautiful white horse as fleet as the wind, were among these. As we journeyed, they told me in confidence that in Nineveh was a wealthy man who owned a horse so swift that it had never been beaten. Its owner believed that no horse living could run with greater speed. Therefore would he wager any sum, however large, that his horse could outspeed any horse in all Babylonia. Compared to their horse, so my friends said, it was but a lumbering ass that could be beaten with ease. They offered as a great favor to permit me to join them in a wager. I was quite carried away with the plan. Our horse was badly beaten and I lost much of my gold. The father laughed. Later, I discovered that this was a deceitful plan of these men, and they constantly journeyed with caravans, seeking victims. You see, the man in Nineveh was their partner and shared with them the bets he won. This shrewd deceit taught me my first lesson in looking out for myself. I was soon to learn another, equally bitter. In the caravan was another young man with whom I became quite friendly. He was the son of wealthy parents and, like myself, journeying to Nineveh to find a suitable location. Not long after our arrival, he told me that a merchant had died and his shop, with its rich merchandise and patronage, could be secured at a paltry price, saying that we would be equal partners, but first he must return to Babylon to secure his gold. He prevailed upon me to purchase the stock with my gold, agreeing that his would be used later to carry on our venture. He long delayed the trip to Babylon, proving in the meantime to be an unwise buyer and a foolish spender. I finally put him out, but not before the business had deteriorated to where we had only unsaleable goods and no gold to buy other goods. I sacrificed what was left to an Israelite for a pitiful sum. Soon there followed, I tell you, my father, bitter days. I sought employment and found it not. I was without trade or training that would enable me to earn. I sold my horses. I sold my slave. I sold my extra robes that I might have food and a place to sleep. But each day grim want crouched closer. But in those bitter days I remembered thy confidence in me, my father. Thou hadst sent me forth to become a man, and this I was determined to accomplish. The mother buried her face and wept softly. At this time I bethought me of the table thou had given to me upon which thou had carved the five laws of gold. Thereupon I read most carefully thy words of wisdom and realized that had I but sought wisdom first, my gold would not have been lost to me. I learned by heart each law and determined that when once more the goddess of good fortune smiled upon me, I would be guided by the wisdom of age not by the inexperience of youth. 
For the benefit of you who are seated here this night, I will read the wisdom of my father as engraved upon the clay tablet which he gave to me ten years ago. The Five Laws of Gold 1. Gold cometh gladly and in increasing quantity to any man who will put by not less than one-tenth of his earnings to create an estate for his future and that of his family. 2. Gold laboreth diligently and contentedly for the wise owner who finds for it profitable employment, multiplying even as the flocks of the field. 3. Gold clingeth to the protection of the cautious owner who invests it under the advice of men wise in its handling. 4. Gold slippeth away from the man who invests it in businesses or purposes with which he is not familiar or which are not approved by those skilled in its keep. 5. Gold flees the man who would force it to impossible earnings, or who followeth the alluring advice of tricksters and schemers, or who trusts it to his own inexperience and romantic desires in investment. These are the five laws of gold as written by my father. I do proclaim them as of greater value than gold itself, as I will show by the continuance of my tale. He again faced his father. I have told thee of the depth of poverty and despair to which my inexperience brought me. However, there is no chain of disasters that will not come to an end. Mine came when I secured employment managing a crew of slaves working upon the new outer wall of the city. Profiting from my knowledge of the first law of gold, I saved a copper from my first earnings, adding to it at every opportunity until I had a piece of silver. It was a slow procedure, for one must live. I did spend grudgingly, I admit, because I was determined to earn back before the ten years were over as much gold as you, my father, had given to me. One day the slave master, with whom I had become quite friendly, said to me, Thou art a thrifty youth who spends not wantonly what he earns. Hast thou gold put by that is not earning? Yes, I replied. It is my greatest desire to accumulate gold to replace that which my father gave to me and which I have lost. "'Tis a worthy ambition, I will grant. "'And do you know that the gold which you have saved can work for you "'and earn much more gold? "'Alas, my experience has been bitter, "'for my father's gold has fled from me, "'and I am in much fear lest my own do the same. "'If thou hast confidence in me, "'I will give thee a lesson in the profitable handling of gold,' he replied. Within a year, the outer wall will be complete and ready for the great gates of bronze that will be built at each entrance to protect the city from the king's enemies. In all Nineveh, there is not enough metal to make these gates, and the king has not thought to provide it. Here is my plan. A group of us will pool our gold and send a caravan to the mines of copper and tin, which are distant, and bring to Nineveh the metal for the gates. When the king says... Make the great gates, we alone can supply the metal, and a rich price he will pay. If the king will not buy from us, we will yet have the metal which can be sold for a fair price. In his offer, I recognized an opportunity to abide by the third law, and invest my savings under the guidance of wise men. Nor was I disappointed. Our pool was a success, and my small store of gold was greatly increased by the transaction. Okay, so that was for chapter 13. And I want to go over the different laws of the gold. Hold on one second. 
And then you have the different laws of the gold, which is one, gold cometh gladly in increasing quantity. And then gold laboreth contendingly. And gold cleaneth to the protection of the cautious. Also, gold slippeth away from the men who invest it in business. But then, gold flees the men who were forced into impossible earnings. So, to me, I don't want to break it down in minds. I just look at those as facts that we can use. How money is really made. You know, how um, saving one-tenth of your money, which, hey, y'all, I'm still doing a challenge. I This week would be the last week of the challenge for july and i am already at twenty dollars so yeah I, like i said it's it's a challenge however we can do it we can do it and if you think you can do it i'm here with you we can do it even if you broke you can do it but anyway let's get back on topic so not only is it good to save the money from what i'm seeing the gold the laws of gold um and also invest in your money within your business or you know a good investment um so yeah those are the things that i got from this chapter just really breaking down the different rules of gold okay and i do know that this book has taken us a minute to get over but i really wanted to go chapter for chapter in I'm not going to lie to you. I really enjoy it. Even though it's taking a minute. The fact that I don't have to read to y'all. If y'all, if anybody that has been riding with me from day one. Remember, I used to read to y'all. And now I can really relax. And just, you know, let y'all know how I feel about it. And interact. I love it. I love it. Well, come on, come on. Let's go ahead and go to chapter 14. It is Marquita coming to you today with a public announcement. Lifestyle T Customs has rebrand. Yes, rebrand. So the new name is A1 Custom Shop. Once again, the new name is A1 Custom Shop. Now, different name, but the same creating with care y'all go ahead and go to the about page and you will be able to see the link where you can see the new website and yes okay so i want to go over chapter 14 hold on one second i have to get it to play and this is once again, chapter 14, let's see here, here we go, one second. The gold lender of Babylon, 50 pieces of gold. Never before had Rodan, the spear maker of old Babylon, carried so much gold in his leather wallet. Happily down the king's highway from the palace of his most liberal majesty, he strode. Cheerfully, the gold clinked as the wallet at his belt swayed with each step. The sweetest music he had ever heard. Fifty pieces of gold, all his. He 
he could hardly realize his good fortune. What power in those clinking discs. They could purchase anything he wanted. A grand house, land, cattle, camels, horses, chariots, whatever he might desire. What use should he make of it? This evening, as he turned into a side street towards the home of his sister, he could think of nothing he would rather possess than those same glittering heavy pieces of gold, his to keep. It was upon an evening some days later that a perplexed Rodan entered the shop of Mathon, the lender of gold and dealer in jewels and rare fabrics. Glancing neither to the right nor the left at the colorful articles artfully displayed, he passed through to the living quarters at the rear. Here he found the genteel Mathon lounging upon a rug, partaking of a meal served by a black slave. I would counsel with thee, for I know not what to do. Rodan stood solidly, feet apart, hairy breast exposed by the gaping front of his leather jacket. Mathon's narrow, sallow face smiled a friendly greeting. What indiscretions hast thou done that thou shouldst seek the lender of gold? Hast been unlucky at the gaming table, or hath some plump dame entangled thee? For many years I have known thee, yet never hast thou sought me to aid thee in thy troubles. No, no. Not such as that. I seek no gold. Instead, I crave thy wise advice. Hear, hear, what this man doth say. No one comes to the lender of gold for advice. My ears must play me false. They listen true. Can this be so? Rodan, the spearmaker, doth display more cunning than all the rest. For he comes to Mathon not for gold, but for advice. Many men come to me for gold to pay for their follies. But as for advice, they want it not. Yet who is more able to advise than the lender of gold to whom many men come in trouble? Thou shalt eat with me, Rodan, he continued. Thou shalt be my guest for the evening. And all, he commanded the black slave. Draw up a rag for my friend Rodan, the spearmaker who comes for advice. He shall be mine honored guest. Bring to him much food and get for him my largest cup. Choose well of the best wine that he may have satisfaction in the drinking. Now, tell me what troubles thee. It is the king's gift. The king's gift? The king did make thee a gift and it gives thee trouble? What manner of gift? Because he was so much pleased with the design I did submit to him for a new point on the spears of the royal guard, he did present me with fifty pieces of gold. And now I am much perplexed. I am beseeched each hour the sun doth travel across the sky by those who would share it with me. That is natural. More men want gold than have it, and would wish one who comes by it easily to divide. But can you not say no? Is thy will not as strong as thy fist? To many I can say no, yet sometimes it would be easier to say yes. Can one refuse to share with one's sister to whom one is deeply devoted? Surely thy own sister would not wish to deprive thee of enjoying thy reward. But it is for the sake of Araman, her husband, whom she wishes to see a rich merchant. She does feel that he has never had a chance, and she beseeches me to loan to him this gold that he may become a prosperous merchant and repay me from his profits. My friend resumed Mathon. "'Tis a worthy subject thou bringest to discuss. Gold bringeth unto its possessor responsibility, 
and a changed position with his fellow men. It bringeth fear lest he lose it or it be tricked away from him. It bringeth a feeling of power and ability to do good. Likewise, it bringeth opportunities whereby his very good intentions may bring him into difficulties. Didst ever hear of the farmer of Nineveh who could understand the language of animals? I wot not, for tis not the kind of tale men like to tell over the bronze caster's forge. I will tell it to thee, for thou shouldst know that to borrowing and lending there is more than the passing of gold from the hands of one to the hands of another. This farmer, who could understand what the animals said to each other, did linger in the farmyard each evening just to listen to their words. One evening he did hear the ox bemoaning to the ass the hardness of his lot. I do labor pulling the plow from morning until night. No matter how hot the day or how tired my legs or how the bow doth chafe my neck, still must I work. But you are a creature of leisure. You are wrapped with a colorful blanket and do nothing more than carry our master about where he wishes to go. When he goes nowhere, you do rest and eat the green grass all the day. Now the ass, in spite of his vicious heels, was a goodly fellow and sympathized with the ox. My good friend, he replied, you do work very hard and I would help ease your lot. Therefore will I tell you how you may have a day of rest. In the morning when the slave comes to fetch you to the plow, lie upon the ground and bellow much that he may say you are sick and cannot work. So the ox took the advice of the ass, and the next morning the slave returned to the farmer and told him the ox was sick and could not pull the plow. Then, said the farmer, hitch the ass to the plow, for the plowing must go on. All that day the ass, who had only intended to help his friend, found himself compelled to do the ox's task. When night came and he was released from the plow, his heart was bitter and his legs were weary and his neck was sore where the bow had chafed it. The farmer lingered in the barnyard to listen. The ox began first. You are my good friend. Because of your wise advice, I have enjoyed a day of rest. And I, retorted the ass, am like many another simple-hearted one who starts to help a friend and ends up by doing his task for him. Hereafter you draw your own plow. For I did hear the master tell the slave to send for the butcher were you sick again. I wish he would, for you are a lazy fellow. Thereafter they spoke to each other no more. This ended their friendship. Canst thou tell the moral to this tale, Rodan? Tis a good tale, responded Rodan, but I see not the moral. I thought not that you would, but it is there and simple too. Just this. If you desire to help thy friend, do so in a way that will not bring thy friend's burdens upon thyself. I had not thought of that. It is a wise moral. I wish not to assume the burdens of my sister's husband. But tell me, you lend to many, do not the borrowers repay? Mathan smiled the smile of one whose soul is rich with much experience. Could a loan be well made if the borrower cannot repay? Must not the lender be wise and judge carefully whether his gold can perform a useful purpose to the borrower and return to him once more? Or whether it will be wasted by one unable to use it wisely and leave him without his treasure and leave the money? Oh my, I'm sorry. I will show to thee the tokens in my token chest and let them tell oh my. the stories. Into the room he brought a chest as long as his arm covered with red pigskin 
Ron's designs. He placed it upon the floor and squatted before it, both hands upon the lid. From each person to whom I lend, I do exact a token for my token chest, to remain there until the loan is repaid. When they repay, I give back, but if they never repay, it will always remind me of one who was not faithful to my confidence. The safest loans, my token box tells me, are to those whose possessions are of more value than the one they desire. They own lands, or jewels, or camels, or other things, which could be sold to repay the loan. Some of the tokens given to me are jewels of more value than the loan. Others are promises that if the loan be not repaid as agreed, they will deliver to me certain property settlement. On loans like those, I am assured that my gold will be returned with the rental thereon, for the loan is based on property. In another class are those who have the capacity to earn. They are such as you, who labor or serve and are paid. They have income, and if they are honest and suffer no misfortune, I know that they also can repay the gold I loan them and the rental to which I am entitled. Such loans are based on human effort. Okay, so that was chapter 14. And basically what I listened to is you have to know who to lend money to, you know, um, or who to let borrow money. You know, uh, it seems like what he does, it is really a good idea because not only would it make us mad, it'll make us do better as to giving our coins away. So if you heard what he said, it's some people that if they borrow money from him, he will put his own money in replace with the money that they borrow from him. And if they give the money back, he pays himself back. If they never give the money back, he has lost his own money. And I mean, that's hard, but it'll teach you a lesson. Like that that person is not trustworthy or that person is messing with your confidence. You know, it is a hard lesson, but I think that's a good lesson. Seriously, I think it's a good lesson, especially to us nice people that a little person borrow some money you know um it'll teach us to get more tougher because if we're suffering you know especially we love ourselves if we're suffering we don't want to suffer you know like we want to be treated good and treated nicely and not suffer right we don't deserve it so it's like if you do put yourself through that it'll help you make better decisions as to who you're gonna let borrow your money you know i mean that is really to me how some of the good people that's trying to save money, trying to do better, is because we're being so nice. And, I mean, I don't know how to really fix that. And I'm going to say me because I'm nice as well. Um, However, you know, I've been, I mean, no sympathy, just keeping it real. I've been smashed in my face so much, um, becoming an adult and also being a kid, that um, I... I have gotten meaner with that. Now, I will I will still help other people if I can, but it's just people that I know is going to give it to me, and I still spaz out about that because it's hard. It's our hard-earned work money, you know, and it's okay to spaz out. Sometimes you probably need to spaz out so you can know the importance of your own money, but then it also comes back, and I can have a lot of conversation about this, but it also goes back to loving yourself and and trusting yourself like 
If you feel like a person's not going to give you your money back, why do it? Why do it? Because they won't do it. You know, um, I want to say I do thank you all for coming in, listening with me. We are almost close to the end. Let me look and see how many more chapters we have to go. Give me one moment, one moment. Okay, so we just finished, finished chapter 14. We have four more chapters and we will be done. Four more chapters and we will be done. So I want to say the middle of August, we shall be done, okay? And I really want to wrap it up because I'm ready to get another book. Like, I want to bring out another thug book. Like, y'all know I like my books. I like my books. Or another Zane book. Just to spice it up a little. You know, to all of us uh, single parents out there, I know we're hustling and bustling, trying to make sure these kids get the things that they need for school and stuff. So that's why I said I think the next book, it needs to be more laid back book. You know, so y'all just, just stick with me. Stick with me. I will talk to you all tomorrow. Tomorrow is the tea talk. It's going to be the random tea talk. Y'all have a good one.